Strawberry Lodge and Pocono Gardens. Do all the things you wanted to do all summer, all day, all night. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Call 1-800-441-4410 for reservations at Pocono Gardens and beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Hello and welcome to FW Presents Mountain Comics. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and this is another installment in my series where I talk about some beloved comics that I bought in the 70s and 80s while I was on vacation with my parents up in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. Joining me for this episode where we're, we're, we're going to be talking about Avengers number 237 from 1983 is the creator of the super cool copper comic book, Michelle Fife. Hello, Michelle. Hey, Rob. What's going on? Thank you so much for having me on. This is awesome. I'm very excited to have you here. This is really cool. I mentioned this to Michelle a while back about maybe there was some comics I want to talk about off this list. And it took you, I think, all of like two seconds to write back and say, Avengers 237, man, that, that's it. That's my jam. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, well, the thing is, this issue is like really fresh in my mind because I recently read it for the first time. It's not my first time reading a Roger Stern Avengers comic, but this issue specifically, like I read it like maybe a year ago. So, so and it kind of meant a lot to me so uh, we'll discuss that later on but um but yeah it, it was kind of cool to see it in the list yeah yeah, yeah. this is it's a, when i as i've mentioned on previous episodes like i've used uh, mike's amazing world uh, website where i go through and you can do that awesome newsstand feature where you can pick a date and see what comics were on sale at that date and so i go back and i look well what comics were on sale in august of 79 august of 80 august of 81 mm -hmm. those, those were the that was the month i was on i was on vacation and when I saw this this cover, I thought, oh, I forgot all about this book. I had this one. I remember buying it yeah. off the stands. So it's it features a really great covers by uh, Al Milgram and Joe Sinon of just this massive Donnybrook of the Avengers fighting all these <laughs> villains back and forth. Yeah. There's, there's just very little bit of a cover copy. It says, Pandemonium at Project, Project Pegasus. And you've got Spider-Man and the Rhino and Bolt, Captain Marvel and Shield, and Captain America and Electra. It's just, it's, it's like for sixty cents, you're not, you're, you know, you're going to be entertained by this comic because you just, the cover is just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a mess, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful mess. I mean, it, t it tells a story. You know exactly what to expect, and uh, it's, it's actually kind of weird that it has text cover because I think wasn't that a Jim Shooter uh, rule? Like, the less text, the better. That's why I didn't put uh, creator names on the covers as opposed to DC. And and uh, I don't remember, like, te like much text, like, uh, word balloons on it or, or anything. So that's kind of odd. But, I mean, it's a big block of art regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so massive. It, it really is indicative of what you're going to find inside. So yeah. Yeah, it did its job. Yeah, so uh, like I said, this book was on sale August 9th, 1983, so I would have been all of 12 years old when I bought it. As I mentioned, it's by the artist by Al Milgram and Joe Sinnott. The story is by Roger Stern. It's called Meltdowns and Mayhem. And as the story opens, the, uh, an invasion by the Lava Men has been stopped by the Avengers, as well as would-be member The Amazing Spider-Man. Unbeknownst to them, the Earth's Mighty Heroes are being watched by a cadre of supervillains consisting of the Rhino, Moonstone, Blackout, and Electro. Unfortunately for them, there's no trust among thieves, and when Rhino accuses Blackout of possibly being a traitor, a fight breaks out. Moonstone breaks it up, reminding them all if they stick together, they have a chance to get revenge on the scientists that have been forcibly studying them and their powers. Meanwhile, the Wasp takes Spidey to task for, uh, for uh, stowing, aboard, uh, stowing aboard the Avengers Quinjet, which he meekly apologizes for. He assumes this means he's blown his chance at being added to the team, but Wasp counters by saying they'd consider him to be a member in training, much to Spidey's delight. Spider-Man then realizes the in-training part, which he doesn't like. 
Captain America talks about how Spidey can be a loose cannon, something the Avengers can't tolerate uh, if they are to work as a team. Suddenly, the power in the base goes out, and that's when the villains attack. After a few moments where the bad guys have the drop in the Avengers, Scarlet Witch gets the upper hand on Electro, and She-Hulk knocks out Rhino. Meanwhile, Moonstone has been working to set the base's nuclear rod power rods to explode, so while the Avengers deal with that, she and Blackout escape. Spider-Man uses his scientific knowledge and, with the help of Captain Marvel, keeps the rods from exploding. Later, at Avengers Mansion, Captain America and the Wasp talk to, an NSA, uh, talk to the NSA about Spider-Man getting government approval to join the team, which will, they will not grant, calling him a security risk. Spider-Man, insulted, swings off, promising to complain to his congressman about this, to which Star Fox replies, what's a congressman? And that's <laughs> the end of the story. Uh, so you, you said you just read this one a couple of months ago. Like, what, what, Why do you like it so much? Dude, there. First of all, could I say that there's so much that goes on in this issue? It's so jam-packed. I mean, uh, there's there's so many heroes, so many villains. It's almost like the perfect uh, little kid comic book because it's got just a team of, of of good guys versus bad guys, and that's pretty much the premise. And it's it's beautifully simple, but yeah, it's so layered. It's so. I mean, Roger Stern is such a good writer at this stuff. You know, it's like this old. I guess I should say the reason that it kind of spoke to me when I when I did a complete Avengers Roger Stern reread um, was because, I don't know, it was all so clear. You know, it, it, it is dense. There's a lot going on, but it is so clear. Uh, everything you need is in this one issue, and that's so rare these days. I mean, you, you could certainly go back and read comics, um, you know, back issues and such, but there's something about the way Roger Stern tackles this sort of material that's just, it's excellent. I think it's great. I think it's it's better than most of his peers at the time and beyond. I don't know. What do you think? When you read it as a kid, what was your reaction to this? Oh, I remembered. I, I mean, I always liked the Avengers. You know, that was always one of my favorite comics. I liked Spider-Man mm-hmm. being involved in it. Uh, it's interesting that you talk about Roger Stern because, like, Roger Stern is, you know, probably not a writer that a lot of comic book creators necessarily think of. You know, when you talk about some of the really great ones, I mean, there are the other names that people are, are familiar with. But Roger Stern was kind of like one of those journeyman with those sort of workhorses but if you go back and you look mm-hmm. and you're like but they also wrote thousands of pages of material they're kind of like a bill mantlo you know or a, a tom defalco these guys that just did these runs on these books that you know in between you know john byrne or frank miller these you know sort of huge names coming on these were the guys that filled the books month in month out and i remember right. really liking this cup when i reread it i was like this is a lot of fun because it does have multiple through lines you've got the the villains you know plotting to get revenge and they have mm-hmm. an act, act they actually have a, like a pretty good reason to for for their actions because they have yeah. they have been cooped up by these scientists and they're being treated like lab rats so it's right. not even like they're being your typical bad guys they just want to get free which is right they have yeah. they have great motivation they, they they have respective characteristics i mean it's great it's there's nothing cookie cutter about this and it could have easily been cookie cutter yeah Right, and then then you have the whole other thing of Spider-Man sort of being part of the team, and he wants to be a member of the team. This was, I guess, mm-hmm. another instance where he's hard on money, so he's looking to make a little bit of, of dough while he's going to be Spider-Man. So you have that whole through line. You have uh, everybody gets kind of a decent moment. Star Fox is probably the only one that really doesn't really get anything huge to do. But there's a great sequence with uh, with. Uh, Scarlet Witch, where she takes out uh, Bolt, which is really cool. I mean, I love I mean, right. Electro. I meant to say Electro. That's a really great detail, and that's a, well done by Milgram and Sinat. Again, a right. kind of an underrated uh, set of artists, I would say. You know, I mean, this is 
She-Hulk versus the Rhino is a fun fight. And then you get to have Spider-Man come back and use his scientific knowledge, which, of course, is something that's, you know, keen for him. Uh, that without them, without him there, they might have had a bigger problem with the nuclear rod. So it's like everyone in, in the space of 22 pages, everyone gets a moment. Everyone gets a little bit of characterization. And yet it's got all the Marvel kind of sort of stylization that you come to expect for laying down mm-hmm. your 60 cents. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the day was prevailed mm-hmm. by uh, by brawn by and brain. You know, like Spider Man saved the day essentially. Well, it was team. It was the whole team. It was a team effort. And it's kind of funny how they injected science into this. You know, I don't think the science is. Maybe some people like wrote in letters and like took them to task on the specifics of the science, but in either case, it just it sort of injected science into an adventure comic because this was still clearly for kids, and they had to had to have some measure of 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 value of of educational purpose, you know. So I, I think that's fun. I think that's kind of like a, a cool thing that you don't see every day, even in older comics. Uh, that may be a DC thing, actually, because Marvel didn't really have that. I think Marvel just kind of like threw everything up, up uh, to radiation. Yeah, I think it was just radiation. Um, right. That was more of a DC thing to sort of inject, even if it was like more sci-fi and made up and fantastical. This this was very, it was a good combination of both, I think, of both approaches. Yeah, there's, there's this one page in the story where it's just Spider-Man with his microphone as he's talking to Captain Marvel, who's inside the, the chamber. And it's just him talking, and he's going through all the details. And you get the sense that Roger Stern probably researched this a little bit, because it's, it's detailed yes, enough yeah. that you, you, you have to figure Roger Stern just didn't know this by heart. No, and he also wasn't talking out of his butt either. I'm, you know, these guys, they did their, their research for this kind of stuff. At the very, you know, even if it's the most minimal thing, it's, I, I think it works. I mean, it, it worked for me. I didn't feel like I was gypped or it was totally made up, so. Yeah. And I said, I like Spider-Man with the team. He's fun. He's got a nice counterpoint to all of them. I love that when, when he figures out the whole thing with the nuclear rods in the background, you see Captain America wiping his brow. He's just like, woo, you know, like I felt those mm-hmm. details that Milgram threw in. Uh, I like, all the, I mean, in the, in the opening page, the opening splash page where, you see She-Hulk talking to Scarlet Witch, and she says, too bad uh, you and the Wasp showed up much late, and you missed all the fun. And there's a little word balloon where she's thinking, fun? Yeah. <laughs> like, all that stuff. And I, I like, and the, the, the second page has a really great open panel shot of Spider-Man dangling into the frame. And it, there's a, they, they have to leave a lot of room for a thought balloon, but it's a really striking mm-hmm. image. All of a sudden, Spider-Man hanging upside down, and the lighting is nice. Al, Al, yeah. Milgram, Al Milgram, another one of these guys, not a particular fan favorite and was kind of just a workhorse that he could produce a lot of pages and probably at a very short period of time. But when you mm-hmm. combine him with somebody like Joe Sinnott, who was a terrific inker, uh, you know, they, it's, the stuff is, is exactly what you want. If you're buying a comic book off the newsstand for 60 cents, you know, this is, this, this is your, your sort of promised straight ahead Marvel action with some nice characterization. And that's what you get. And that's, that's the kind of thing that when I was 12, I absolutely loved. Right, right. Now, I gotta admit, I could appreciate him, and I know he gets dumped on a lot, but he's just not a favorite of mine, mostly because he's in some of my favorite people, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not work um, I gravitate towards. You, you know what I mean? So, I'm not really crazy about his, his layouts or his penciling or, or any in general, but somehow when he's drawing Avengers, it sort of works. Maybe that's because of Joe Sinnott, which. 
is a, is a is a rare opinion, but I'm kind of not crazy about Cinna. I mean, he's great. I like him, but he's not my favorite anchor from this era. He's a little too rubbery and polished, which may be the reason why it works with Milgram because Milgram is so raw and crunchy in his pencils and his approach. So it's it's a good combination. Um, so it works for this comic. It works for you know, the, what the dozen issues that they worked on this uh, as a team, as an artistic team. Um, but I don't know. Have you read the the stuff afterwards, like the Bob Hall and the John Bershima, Tom Palmer stuff? Yes, I read the Avengers pretty much from like when I would till I was a kid in their mid seventies all the way to probably the late eighties. I, I was, oh, so I you kept with Avengers. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Oh, I, I always loved this team. I was, this was just a great book. Yeah, see, I only had a few issues here and there. I never, I was never a collector of the Avengers. Um, so when I recently started collecting those and I started reading this run, um, I just fell in love with the entire thing, with the entire Roger Stern period. Um, and that's really when it shines, when it's John Bushima and Tom Palmer drawing the Roger Stern plots. Uh, that stuff is like top notch. I mean, it's so good. So it's kind of unfair to, to throw that in there in contrast with this, because this was sort of like the precursor to that. You know what I mean? So it, it works on its own. It's, it's beautiful. I think it, it's, it's its own thing. Um, but I kind of – could you imagine if John Bushima would have drawn this? Oh, you know? wow. Yeah. <laughs> Where, but that's not – again, that's, that's sort of – that's totally unfair. But And that's me coming into it as an adult, like reading it. You know, uh, after the fact, way after the fact, I can imagine when you're a kid and you see this, it just kind of like um, it's very electrifying. I think this issue in particular, I mean, it's just so bold. You know, every page is something that jumps out at you. And I think that's kind of a rarity for Milgram. I got to say, I mean, it's just it's just a cool issue. I think it just stands out. Yeah, and I, I like it. It's, this is the Marvel was good at this at kind of doing one and dones in the middle of a larger story. Because we're yes. sort of, the yeah. Lava Man thing is just wrapping up, and this will go on in terms of the, the, this other plot that they have. But I like that this this is basically a complete story. The whole goal of this is for the villains to get out, and they do. This is how it works. And I love that Moonstone, who of the four, is probably the well, maybe Bolt, but Bolt and Moonstone are the most mortish of this team in terms of villains. But <laughs> Moonstone keeps her eyes on the prize. She wants to get out. Right. It's, it's Rhino and Bolt and Electro that are kind of like. Well, if we can have a chance to, to knock around the Avengers, we're going to do it. And Moonstone doesn't care about that. Moonstone is just, I want to get out. And she actually uses Wasp in an attempt to get herself out of there. And I love that once she gets the opportunity to get out, she gets out. She's just like, forget it. I'm not hanging around here. I don't want to take on the Avengers. I, I, I really like that when you give villains motivations that aren't just, you know, I want to be evil. Uh, like right. she, she's just like, I want to be out of here because I've been, I've been experimented on and I don't want to be experimented on. So the minute the, the door is metaphorically or literally open, I'm out of here. Right. I thought that was a great, that's a great detail. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, she actually comes back, her and Black Bolt, they, they play a crucial part in a, a later larger storyline that sort of fleshes out that sort of uh, personality, you know, her, her, she's kind of a, a, a multidimensional character, actually. Again, she's not like a a generic villainous, you know, so that's, that, that's refreshing. And uh, it's kind of cool that, that, that Roger Stern was sort of seeding all these little plot points that, you know, they, they just kind of developed over years. I think that's kind of cool. Even, even in the scope of a done in one, uh, eighties story, you know, he just, he just kind of had this grand plan. It seems like. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm always amazed that the guy. You know, I mean, you you'll be able you'd be able to speak to that. The kind of long range planning and what you have to do because you write a team book yourself. You know, I mean, it's, I'm always sort of amazed that people can do this kind of stuff. I just think it's it's it looks easy, but it sure as hell is not. Well, I think part of well, from what I read, uh, part of the secret is sort of making it up as you go along, but just sort of retaining certain details and just trying to develop them as you go along, whenever you can fit in. Because really, you don't know what else that you have to deal with, uh, whether it be a crossover or uh, a, a new artistic direction, you know, or different editorial, you know, an editorial shift or whatever. Um, so you kind of have to be flexible, but you also should have a plan of where you're going, you know, have some sort of uh, forward momentum. And I think, uh, like I said, Roger Stern is really good at doing that. And um, I don't know, man, I've, you read other stuff and it's, it's up there with like the Walt Simonson Thor and the Frank Miller daredevil in its, in its scope and ambition. But I think you're right. I think he was just sort of like a journeyman writer um, who wrote a couple titles a month and you just sort of uh, not dismiss him, but forget him, which is probably worse, you know, yeah. uh, because he should be given some due, mm-hmm. you know. So that's mm-hmm. why anytime I get a chance to talk about Roger Stern, I'll take it, especially with something that I've just read. So it's really fresh. I really appreciate it. Um, there's also speaking of Roger Stern, obviously, uh, there's something about the exposition in this book, which I think exposition gets a bad rap. And um I think it's great. I think it's, you know, like you mentioned the, the, tie, the, the second page with Spidey just dangling and there's a huge block of text, which is traditionally off-putting, but I think it's fantastic. I think it just kind of catches up the new reader. Um, I mean, you got to consider you had to wait an entire month from chapter to chapter. So it's just a brief little catching up. It's a recap and it kind of flows so, so easily. You know, it's part mm-hmm. of the conversation. It doesn't come across as hokey. Um, I, th- I think it's fantastic. I think it works. And this comic is peppered with this sort of treatment. And uh, I think that's why I like Roger Stern so much. I think it, it's just it's just old school comic book writing that I don't think is old school. I think it, it's still viable. I still think this is a, a good approach that is completely absent from comics. Uh, and whenever it's revisited, it's sort of dressed up as a sort of uh in joke or sort of pastiche and uh, i think that's a that's a disservice to this approach i think exposition serves like uh i don't know it could be it could be it, it has value i think you know it serves as a good storytelling tool i mean what's your take on exposition or, or this level of exposition no i i agree with that because i said this is this well, I mean, they're they're appealing to an audience that was they were assuming wasn't necessarily bought into getting it every month. I mean, we're still talking 1983. Comic shops are around, but we're still really talking about newsstand distribution, and they're mm-hmm. they're not assuming that the people reading this are diehards that have bought right. every issue of Avengers and can go all the way back. I mean, they have to have some level of all right, you know, in case you missed the last one. And of course, you know, I sort of did because I was subject to newsstand distribution. This is 1983. This is last. This is pretty much the last year I would be getting my comics just from newsstands. Right after this, I would start. Go, I would start going to comic shops regularly, and then I, you know, could get whatever I wanted. But mm-hmm. uh, I, but I, you know, when I was buying things up in the the Poconos when we were on vacation, I was subject to whatever the newsstands carried, and that's kind of the fun I've been having with this series is going back and rediscovering these books that, 
you know, I bought one-offs of, because I was like, well, I already bought all the comics I would normally buy. Oh, maybe I'll buy Marvel 2-in-1 this month, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it, right. It was, that, that had a lot of appeal of being caught up, you know, being like, oh, maybe I didn't read this the previous Avengers because I couldn't find it, you know? Right. Here, oh, Spidey's going to catch me up on all this, you know? And that was great. I love that. And the story still, a ton happens in this book. Yes. You know, I when I wrote the synopsis for this story, I'm like, this is this is more plot than goes on in any given any six issues of any sort of like mainstream comic nowadays really right right uh, than a whole trade yeah exactly yeah. i mean they would this yeah this would be a whole arc you know it would be like mm-hmm. mayhem in the base of six issues and but here and spider-man's all run i mean in this whole bit with spider-man is resolved in the final page where he's like i want to be an avenger and the government's like forget it that guy's a risk you know and they're like and spider-man's like okay i'm out of here goodbye and that's the end of the issue like they just right. it all up yeah okay. That's I, mean, it. I kind of miss all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's great, and it sort of ties in. I mean, it doesn't directly tie in, but Roger Stern was the writer of Amazing Spider-Man around this time, so he sort of, he got a chance to flex his muscle with both, uh, both of his specialties, as it were. Um, and it's fantastic. Just flipping through this, I mean, it's, it's just so much fun. It's so unpretentious. It's so direct, unpretentious and it's effective. Is a good word for it. It's just, it's really direct. It's effective. And it's not, direct doesn't have to be boring. This is exciting. You know, this is like exciting looking stuff. Um, again, not my first art team, but that's beside the point. Who cares? It, it works it, it works as a unit as it is. So I think it's a fantastic issue. And you said you were, you were buying these regularly though. This was like a regular buy for you? It, it was, it was, I certainly tried to, but it's, there were some months where I just literally couldn't find certain comics just because it mm-hmm. was newsstands, you know? I mean, I, I consulted several 7-Elevens and several newsstands to try and keep up with everything, but there were just some months where I was like, the book just disappeared, you know? And, and in the age of newsstand distribution, if the book was off sale, it was off sale and it was gone forever, you know? I mean, yes. so that's, that's kind of what would happen. Um, but uh, this one, I th- I probably kept up with this. I probably had every issue of Avengers at the time, but there were certain little holes here and there because again, it was mm-hmm. just, I, I couldn't control what I could find. So, uh, but it, but this, the, I remember this cover. I remember what newsstand up in the up in the the Poconos I bought it from. I remember seeing it. It was one of those like I only had a couple of bucks to spend, but this was one of those ones where if if, if it was if I hadn't had it yet. And it was on sale. I immediately picked it up. It was a it was a top of the pile kind of like oh mm-hmm. Avengers, absolutely. And I remember reading this one, and it is just a lot of fun. And I said I love I like Spider-Man with the Avengers. I like that him. I like him not being a member because I think that I like him as a guest star. But I think it's yes. a fun idea. I love Captain America at the end saying maybe I can make a special appeal to the president, like <laughs> that whole thing. And then, sure. <laughs> and on the last page, you see Captain Marvel talk about. She says, "I still feel badly about letting Moonstone and Blackout get away." And She-Hulk says, "Don't let it get you down, kiddo. We'll find him eventually. Their kind always turns up. It's just this kind of like <laughs> it's not a big deal sort of thing. Nobody died, you know. There's yeah, no right. no grim consequences. It's just like all right, we'll 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 meet them all again. And I I I just think that's enormous fun." Again, you, the word you used was unpretentious. I think that's the most accurate. It's just, it's superhero daring do with, with a, some nice characterization thrown in, some, some plot lines that will move you further down so you buy the next mm-hmm. issue. But, but right. this really does give you a complete story, and I really enjoy that. I also feel that Roger Stern also, not only did he want to entertain kids and his audience, um, but a couple things. He really respected 
this material. Like he respected everyone's individual voices, their histories, um, their personalities. I mean, it's just that he's very true per character, you know, like she Hulk has her own definitive voice, which she actually helped cultivate. Um, and then there's Spider-Man, there's the Avengers. I mean, he really pays attention to, to like the nuance of characters, especially when he probably didn't have to. And I think it sets it apart, um, from the other books, but there's also the fact that he was an editor before this or during, you know, so he does have like the skill set to sort of, um, be clear about things, uh, move the story forward, uh, you know, uh, dot all his I's and cross all his T's. He, it's just all there. You know, it's perfect. It's such a, it's such a perfect package. Um, so I don't know. Again, he he doesn't get enough credit. He's such such an excellent writer. You know, it, it's I mean, not only for this period, but there's the death of Superman era. You know, the stuff right. he did Superman. Um, even though he was a huge part, he was a part of a huge group. Um, there were a couple of issues that he wrote on his own that had nothing to do with the rest of the line. But, I mean, those were great. I mean, he's just fantastic. I love him. I love his work. I love this Avengers issue and his entire run. I think it's great. Have you ever had a chance to meet him? No, 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 no. But I don't think he's around. He only does a couple conventions up in, I want to say, Connecticut. Um, and maybe one, like, once a year or something. But mm. I do want to make the drive and and like meet him just to just to geek out over everything we've been everything we've been talking about pretty much just repeat to him and uh <laughs> make him feel awkward as a result so oh that's that's uh, that's part of the fun of it i was that's I, that's I a given before, i tried to make you feel awkward at heroes con and i got to talk about cop it worked like, oh yeah there you go it worked. perfect yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> no um this is i mean I don't know, man. There's, I, I love this comic. It's so when it was on your list, I had to jump on it because it's so great. I mean, it's fantastic. And it's funny that you mentioned Seven Eleven because that was the way I used to get my comics primarily. Uh, the comic shop was a special thing. You had to drive to once in a while. So it's kind of funny that my tastes were sort of at the mercy of whoever was ordering comics that week. You know what I mean? And you're right. I mean, you got to kind of. Uh, uh, try some things you wouldn't normally try just because those were one of the five issues, five different titles that they, they had that week. Yep. And so you're like, screw it. Oh, I'll pick up. What if, you know, and then I got hooked, you know, that's, that's my example, but they would kind of test the waters, I guess. And I was part of that. So that, and that's the way I got my comics. So I very much relate to that. And I got to tell you, I have wasted many, many hours on Mike's amazing world of DC comics on the newsstand feature. Yeah. Holy God. Oh my God. <laughs> There's so there I've made so many spreadsheets, uh, map, <laughs> mapping out my consumer as a child. It is insane. I mean, I, I can't believe I just admitted that I had no plan to mention that, but, but, <laughs> but it, it is order that's drawing you out, getting you to admit but, something. I mean, it is sort of the premise of this show. So, I mean, it shouldn't come as a surprise, but I'm, I'm sort of doing the same thing. You're actually doing something constructive with it in making, making these episodes and sort of analyzing your tastes, you know, uh, I think it's great. You know, I think it's awesome. I, 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 I want to do something similar. I don't know what, but I think mapping out our joys as it were, I think is, uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah. This was, this was an idea I had a little while back of like these, these comics that I bought while I was on vacation. These really are the, I mean, I bought comics 24, seven, 365, all from age four to, to, you know, basically off and on until today. 
but those those books I bought while I was on vacation really are sort of like the the bedrock of my fandom because that was where and I've mentioned before on, on other episodes, you know, we didn't have a TV in the cabin. There wasn't a whole right. lot to do. There mm-hmm. weren't other right. kids around that were my age. So I wasn't like, so it was like go out on the boat and go out on the lake and do stuff or sit out and sit out on the porch. And it was just a lot of reading. It was a lot of reading. And mm-hmm. these, all these comics were, that was it, man. And so, yeah, that new yeah. feature is amazing. And it's, it's funny to like not really be able to remember some of the books that I bought. And then I look at the covers thanks to the newsstand feature and I go, that was oh yeah, I remember that one. You know, like it just, right. it's just like a something from out of the past, like that issue of Archie. I had that one because I remember the contours of that particular cover. You know, yeah, yeah, and it totally correlates with the rest of the month. You know, like yes. oh yeah, I got that one later on that month, and I sort of pieced together my past because of this feature uh, that Mike put together. Uh, God bless that guy, whoever he is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so. Yeah. It's uh, it's an amazing amazing sight. It's I, I've said it's so, the great. Shows, it's so great. Every podcaster that does comics owes him a little bit of money. I, they all I all owe Mike a little bit of money just for the use of that website. Yeah. It's so it's so all in It's like the the Wikipedia of comics podcasting is is Mike's amazing world. It's just unbelievable. So. It's so great. I remember when it was just DC. I remember yeah. the, when he had the feature of, of Marvel open up. I was like, oh my god, this is going to get ugly. Yeah. This is going to get bad. <laughs> And it got nasty. And uh, here I am later with a couple spreadsheets on a, on, a, on a podcast talking about an old Roger Stern comic. Uh, you know, so thanks, Mike. And you thank you, Rob, for uh, indulging this. Right. <laughs> I'm glad, glad, to do it. glad to do it. So uh, I, I think that's going to do it for, the, for this talk about Avengers 237. So, uh, Michelle, for anyone who doesn't know about Copper, why don't you tell people about it, where they can get it and how they can get it, what it's about a little. Well, that is... Uh, it's it's my serialized action comic, which, uh, uh, you know, it's a riff on the Suicide Squad and a bunch of other action-adventure vigilante superhero comics that I love. Um, and I sort of blend them all together, and uh, I, I make it all myself, meaning I write, draw, color, uh, print, distribute. I do everything myself. Um, and you could find examples of that on Comixology or on my website, which is my name, michellefife.com. Um, and there are collections available. You could ask your local store to order them. They're, they're in the diamond catalog. So they're available. And I, I try to stress that because for the longest time it was just simply impossible to get. So I'm glad everything's in print. Everything's online. And, uh, I do have plenty of examples online in case anyone's curious, they could go and check it out. And I also have a Patreon where I write about tons of comics I love and I discuss and I analyze old artists and uh i i do a, another series called negative land there and uh so i'm keeping busy absolutely yes anyone i we the the fire and water podcast network are big fans of michelle's stuff and so we uh, say if you ever see a michelle at a comic-con go up buy copper go talk to him and tell him that the network sent you because we are we are big fans of his work we think it's just terrific so uh it's a Copa's a really cool series, and, and I'm really good. I got to meet you in person at, at Heroes Con. It was terrific. So it was awesome. We got to do it again. We got to hang out. Absolutely, and we will have a link to your website in the show notes, of course. So, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. This is, this is a real thrill. I, I really enjoyed Copper. I bought the first book from you, and it was like it's it's so uniquely it's such a um, individual thing. 
when I read it. I'm like, this is so coming from this person. And I really liked it. I really oh, enjoyed it because it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so itself. And I really enjoyed that. It really pops out. So it's sitting right here on my shelf as, a, as I'm talking. So uh, it's really cool. So, so thank you for coming on oh, to talk man. about this. This was a lot of fun. Oh, man. Thank you for the kind words. And thanks for having me on, Rob. This is awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be doing more episodes of Mountain Comics as we go on. So thanks, everybody, for the kind words about the previous episodes. They've been a lot of fun to do, and we have a couple more coming down the line. So, um, again, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Bye.